Jonathan Macri coming at you with another episode, another very, very special Sunday morning episode of the um, of the Knicks Film School podcast. Last Sunday, I did a very, very casual phone call that we recorded and turned into a, an episode of this with, with JB, and I kind of liked the feel of it, just kind of getting up on Sunday morning and shooting the shit about the Knicks, Um but it wasn't nearly angry enough. There wasn't any anger. There wasn't any any vitriol on the on the podcast. So I'm like, we need to really up up the anger, the fire, if you will, um, factor. So I'm like, who spits fire, you know, with with like the best of of the dragons from Game of Thrones? And there's only one person that I can think of, and um, that is your your resident fireball thrower. Um, you know him as Schwinny Poo on Twitter and uh, from posting and toasting. Ashwin, how you doing, bud? Good, yeah. You know, it's a nice, just a nice Sunday morning. It's very relaxed, very well rested. That dovetails a little bit with what we were talking before we came on the air. Uh, but I'll let that one slide. Uh, how are you, man? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know. I couldn't, I couldn't be happier with the current state of the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. You know what? So you say that, you say that in jest, and it's because we, you know, there, there's a couple different directions we could go here to start. But I, I kinda... no, let's let's just get into. Let's just start with putting the entire fucking embarrassing and pathetic Knicks beat on blast. Like, I'm talking about Steve Popper. I'm talking about Stefan Bondi, who has a job because his dad worked at the paper. Like, these guys are embarrassing themselves with their pathetic, just uneducated basketball opinions and feelings about Ennis Cantor. I have never seen a more pathetic display of standing that I am seeing from these two right now regarding Ennis Cantor and the current Knicks quote-unquote rebuild. Did you see, because you only because you mentioned Popper, and I, um, legal disclaimer, the Knicks Film School uh, podcast does not endorse or, or um, uh, what's another good word? Uh, does, not, <laughs> does not endorse or stand by the comments of it. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, Pop, Popper gets under my skin um, because he, he clearly – in a way that I think is a little bit different than Bondi, because Bondi, I think there's genuine hatred there. Popper, you know, Popper knows what he's doing. Yeah, no, Popper knows exactly. What he's, and and, and I, I do want to say, Steve is he, he is a respectable reporter. Um, I don't appreciate the way that news is sometimes conveyed from for, from him, and I, I take issue with him directly on that. I said I responded to something that he wrote um, about Cantor, Cantor on Twitter this week, I think, at some point. And I'm like, how convenient um, that you're going to side with the guy who gives you like, quotes. It, yeah, it, you know. It, it, it's, no, it's, let's be realistic here. The, the only yeah. fucking reason these guys are all about Ennis Cantor all of a sudden 
It has nothing to do with basketball. It has absolutely nothing. Because if it's about basketball, you cannot be, like, telling me that the fucking guy that's third, that has played third most minutes on the team is some winning player. Like, no, he's not. He's not a winning player. He's never been a fucking winning player. You, I know this because I watch basketball. Wait, I was about to say, seen... do you know this because you have eyes and can um, use them and it, the eyes that you have in your head connects to your your brain? Is that why? He, he wasn't even, a, he wasn't even a, a net plus player. When he was on the on the Thunder, and that was a, a stack team. Well, let's. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the the cleaning the glass stat, but keep going because um, I, I think those stats are probably the best one to display that. But yeah, finish what you were saying. It's just it. Look, I, I understand. If you want to say there there are a lot of things the Knicks are doing right now, right? And obviously they're not a good basketball team, which you know, like we all knew, we all know that. I think we all more or less expected that. Maybe not as bad as they've been, but like I think. Most everybody expected the Knicks to be a bad team this year, even you know. The and, most- I, and I want to get into that slight distinction. But keep going. So, you know, I, I I'm I'm fine with that. And if you want to criticize various aspects of their process, I which, think which you, by the way, which you have, you, yeah, you, I've done that you, a lot. You've actually done been, I would say, arguably front and center with a lot of the criticisms, and I take issue with that. But that's that's something that is like that's a conversation. Because you can you can pick nits about certain aspects of this, but right. again, I digress. Keep going. Yeah, and and that's that's basically what it is. It's like I can understand completely if you have specific issues with the process of their rebuild. I think that's even I think that's fair. I think it's good um, to have that feeling. Just you know, you don't want to just blindly accept stuff, and I, I'm with that. But like this idea that. They've done Ennis Cantor dirty, or that you know what's going on. Ennis Cantor, and and then you know on top of this, now there's this new angle that like Bondi is he he tried to push this bullshit yesterday that like oh yeah the Knicks didn't expect to be this bad so therefore it's some failure and it's like dude you got to be kidding me because all we heard about from the start of the year is basically like them using tanking verbiage right like. If you, you you can call it tanking whatever you want to call it, but essentially the playing idea, the young players, we playing have to young guys, young players, and not worrying about your win loss record, like that's We're, essentially what tanking is. Yep. Is is you know I mean like, well, like, well well wait a minute hold on I I there are, there's tanking and then there's tanking right there's I I almost want to say proper tanking. Which is like, you know, which is what the Knicks are doing, giving their young players lots of time. And then there's... Um, thinking. Yes, thank you. Where you yeah. are proactively building your team in a way to, like, any possibility of extra wins that might be found on the schedule, you want to eliminate those wholeheartedly. So well, it's there's like, a difference. It's like, to me, and this just brings it back to Ennis beautifully, because... He he fucking had this bullshit today, or you know, a couple of days ago. He was like, "I'm 26. I'm not 34. I'm not an old guy. I, I can be." Part. It's like, look, you're right. You you could be part of the future of the Knicks. The problem is you're not because you suck, and <laughs> like you don't. Like, he has not improved any skill set. Like when he came into the NBA, right? If his first his rookie year, what was the scouting report? Anders Cantor really struggles on defense. Uh, pretty good with the ball, like pretty good in the post, monster offensive rebounder. 
Nothing has changed about his scouting report. Not not one thing. And I and I want to like, that just shows how like he has no self-awareness to the point that it's actually detrimental to his career because he has not developed any other skill that he needs. So he thinks in his in his head, in Ennis Cantor's head, oh my he God. is yes. a good NBA player. Yeah. Like he is perfectly good as as he is and it's not his fault things suck when he's on the floor it's everybody else's fault and they need to figure out how to like maximize his skill set and it's like you know if you're good enough sure teams will do that but you know newsflash like he's not close to good enough and and his and his answer to and this was a this was a lovely bit of of sneakery um, that Bondi pulled um, in the post game on Friday night when he so Fisdale was asked the questions about not playing Cantor. His response was the same as it's been all year. We we have to we have to develop the young guys, and then he was pushed more. Well, Cantor's twenty six, uh, same same age as Hardaway, and yet oh, you're... oh, they're 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 anybody that really I mean honestly these guys always they get on their high horse anytime somebody accuses them of having an agenda. There's, pretty fucking obvious they have an agenda and and it's so funny to me when there are moments that it's convenient to put stuff out there that has absolutely no nuance to it and then when it's convenient oh no we're gonna now we're gonna dig deeper and now we're actually gonna get into the nitty-gritty so when fizz was pushed he said the honest answer, which is the same, which is the thing everybody knows, which is that Cantor doesn't play a style of ball that is conducive to the NBA, and I'm going to start developing that style, which is the, the absolute correct answer. Right. And then, not five minutes later, Bondi uh, goes to Cantor. They ask Cantor about not playing, and then specifically asks oh, him about— Oh, I'd have had 30 and 30 tonight. What's that? I'd have had 30 and 30 tonight. That's what I told the team. Like, okay, like— have you ever had a thirty and thirty game? No. Uh, are you a piece of shit? Yes. Like, look, man, Ennis Cantor is a lot of things. He's a very, very awesome and respectable human being. Off the off, like unrelated to basketball, there is very, very little wrong with Ennis Cantor. No, I mean, and I respect. I he, like what he gets, he's doing. What is what he's doing? Standing up to this, you know, this crazy person in in Turkey is admirable. Um, I give him all the credit in the world for that. But anyway. Yeah, and and, and like even aside from that, because I think obviously that's like the stock answer, but like he actually does get involved in the community at every place he's been. At least I don't know about – I don't know about Salt Lake. I don't know if he did. But like I know in Oklahoma City he was involved in the community. I know with the Knicks he's definitely like gotten involved in community endeavors. And And that matters. Yeah, and that's that's respectable and that's awesome. Like I I have zero issue with Ennis Cantor not basketball player. Ennis Cantor, the human, is fine. He's great. He's even, you know, you know he, there's very little you could even pretend to be, uh, you know, upset about with him as just a person. But as a basketball player, he's a fucking piece of shit. Like, he's just a piece of shit, and he needs to be told that. He needs, like, people just need to accept this because, like, I, I had, you know, I, I think I tweeted out, Basically, I, I I was on like the warpath Friday night. Oh, I remember. And I I tweeted out basically that you know Ennis, it's like look man, like you can't, you know, you, you like there, there's nothing. He has no trade value. 
He never had. Well, to. that mu- and that much is clear because again, the only I I said it two months ago. I said the only way that Yanis Cantor is getting traded this season is if the Kings decide to become the Kangs again, and and they make a move for him for reasons that I I wouldn't quite understand. And of course, that's the team that they were talking to. And then the Kings said, you know what, we're not going to go in this direction. And you know why? To give color to everything you're saying. Go on cleaning the glass, folks. They have a, you know, Ben Falk has developed a wonderful statistic which basically monitors how much a player being on the floor for a theoretical entire 82 game season, if he played all 82 games, how many wins he would be worth or how many wins he would, be, he would take away. And since Enos Cantor's third year, he is negative 15 wins, negative 5 wins, negative 15 wins, negative 15 wins, negative 3 wins, and then the last two years for the Knicks. Last year, negative eight wins. And this year, actually, he's been decent for him. Only negative four wins. So, you know, they're, um, they are on, on. This is the funniest part, though. Everybody thinks he's this great offensive player. They no, are, they're better with him off the floor. Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's not even close. And then, obviously, on defense, we, we, we know what that is. But so then... When he when Bondi asked him when Bondi said oh no you know um, Fisdale just said that you're not playing because this is a stylistic thing um, you know Cantor his resp- he like brushed it off as if it wasn't even like there was no validity to the fact that a team um, that wants to play modern ball like he it doesn't register to him that he is not a player that fits with the way that the game is played now. Because he has no self awareness, he does zero self awareness. On the court, yeah, he has no self awareness. Think that like anything about his game is wrong. He thinks his game is like that's what I'm saying. He he thinks his game is good, and now we've got Knicks beat guys who are randomly pushing this idea that Ennis Cantor is the fucking missing link, and the Knicks are doing him dirty right. Like, first of all, that entire insinuation is fucking embarrassing. The guy's third in the team in minutes played right now. He's gonna get passed today by Knox. So he'll be fourth after today. But, like, assuming Cantor doesn't play, which I hope he doesn't play because he fucking deserves to play because it's fucking bum. Um, <laughs> but, oh, like, Knox, Knox has played 1,091 minutes, and Cantor has played 1,105. Anyway, yeah. we're more than halfway through the season, and, and this guy who is acting like, you know, and, not just, you know, forget how he's acting. Because I think we've, we know that he's all about pushing his own agenda. He's throwing a hissy fit. As soon as he moved, you know, people are like, this is the first time. No, 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 no. Oh, when no, he, and, and just... When he, when he moved from the starting lineup yes. the first time to the bench, not, don't mind you, not not DNPs, but just moving to the bench, he threw a hissy fit. He threw his little emoji hissy fit on Twitter. He was pouting on the floor. He wasn't happy, whatever. It's fine. Then he get, moved back into the starting lineup because... When he got benched, all of a sudden he started doing things that he needs to do to be a good NBA player. Like, he was actually trying on defense. He was moving the ball when he'd get the ball. Um, he would actually make contact on screens before rolling, uh, which was, you know, a really <laughs> massive improvement for him. But, like, he was doing these things. And, all right, so then he moved back in the starting lineup, right? And then he's in the starting lineup, still getting the same minutes that he was getting. And the next suck right so then he gets benched again and as soon as he gets benched again he doesn't just he doesn't just say that like he's unhappy about not starting he also basically threw luke Cornette under the bus right because he was like he's like look uh you know i think he should be starting and if we're winning that's fine but like i don't know if we're gonna win with like he basically was like 
I'm better than Luke Cornett. Luke Cornett's not good. I should start. Yep. Like, that's – I'm sorry. Like, you're not a good teammate if you do shit like that. No, he, um, he he's not. And, and Cantor's reputation was sealed – um, way back when he essentially he <laughs> and if nobody knows the story, the way he asked out of Utah was he. Uh, I read this a couple of days ago. I forget who had it. I, I apologize for not giving credit to the person who passed this story along to me. But he he asked a beat writer to to give him their phone. He typed out the trade request um, on the beat writer's phone and then said, "Wait a half an hour until after I leave the locker room." And then you could essentially, you know, report my trade request. And he, on his way out of Utah, which, you know, if it's not the most respectable organization in the league, it's, you know, top five easily. No one no one else has ever had a bad word to say about anything that they've done from their ownership to their management to their coaches, the whole thing. He basically said, good riddance. Um, I'm so happy to be done with that, with that terrible organization. And from that moment on, everybody who had a clue in the league – basically said, yeah, this guy is a clown. And then, if before anybody out there listening is like, well, the Knicks traded for him, well, he, guess what? <laughs> it was either him or take on Ryan Anderson's utterly abominable contract. And of those two stinky bowls of shit, they took the, the stinky bowl of shit that was going to be off their books a year earlier. So you can't blame Scott Perry for, for that deal, especially since it came with the pick that became Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, and, and, like, this is what I basically tweeted out. I was like, Ennis Cantor is only on the Knicks because that was the cost of doing business. He was just yeah. a salary that made the trade to move Mello without taking on more long-term money possible. That's it. That's all he was. That is it. He got us – he got Mello the fuck out of New York, and he got us Mitchell Robinson. And, you know, and I guess Doug McDermott, who turned into Mano Mude, which whatever, like – we don't need to go into that, but basically, like, he was just a he was just he was just there to grease the wheels. The Knicks had I, I'm I'm sure that they acquired him and were like, hey, look, he's young, like, let's see what he can do. Maybe he'll be good, blah blah blah. And I think they probably determined very early on, like, uh, you know, basically everybody else that has eyes, um, <laughs> that he's not a good basketball player. Uh, at least not a, 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 definitely not a net positive starter. I no. think that. That 100% they, they know and they determined very early on. Um, and and they've played this thing. I think they've played the thing fine since they got him because last year they didn't have anybody exactly, um, you know, that was – I mean, they had Kyle O'Quinn. Could you have argued that maybe O'Quinn should have gotten some of Cantor's minutes last year? Yeah, you could argue that. But for the most part, they had nobody – they didn't have a Mitchell Robinson on the team last year. Let's put it that way. This year they do, and now obviously, you know, they have Cornette too. But they still didn't bench – Cantor from the beginning, they're they're like, you know what? Let's play the guy. It's the right thing to do by him. He's going to be a free agent this summer, and who knows? Maybe there's some miracle of a possibility that we get this uh, a trade for the guy. They got right up to the point where they could potentially trade him. Figured out that there's no deal to be had, and you know what the thing to do then? Just sit tight if you're Cantor. Sit tight and shut up for two weeks, and then you know what? Two weeks from now, after nobody trades for you. We'll cut you. You could be on your way. You could try to sign with whoever you want to trade for. I don't blame the way the Knicks have handled this one bit. And if you want to get on Fizdale for not personally delivering the message to Cantor on whatever night it was. What, what, I, I'm losing track of the days here. It was what, Wednesday, right? Against the Rockets? Yeah. You know, that, you know, sorry, big boy, you're, 
you're not playing tonight. You're essentially asking Fisdale to be a teacher in the classroom and to to you know handle this truly petulant child with kid gloves. And if the worst thing I could say about Fisdale in that situation is that he didn't do that and he treated Cantor like he would treat any other person on the team, you want to say that that was the wrong move by him? I mean, all right, fine, I guess. But I, I, I don't have an issue with it. Um, yeah, I don't have an issue with it. No, it, it's I, – I don't understand – I just don't – I don't really get why – uh, there's any kind of issue with look the Knicks have been pretty tra- transparent all year that uh, they're tanking or not ta- or, you know I don't want to say tanking because I think there's a difference between uh, you know actively just rebuilding and developing versus tanking and the Knicks have you know literally since last summer they've been saying what have they been saying oh we're gonna we, our priority is youth development and uh, you know, playing the young guys, and just, that's it. Basically, like every answer they give is that some some version of like we want to play young guys, uh, and that's you know whatever. It's <laughs> so when they keep saying this, and then now you have like Bondi tweeted out some nonsense, like oh yeah, you know this is much worse than the Knicks expected. That they, that's the tweet that got me. And yeah, he goes, the idea that the Knicks plan to be this bad from the beginning is totally disingenuous. It devolved into this because everything went wrong. What the fuck? Let me ask you a question. Honestly, like, what exactly went wrong with the season? I'm I'm struggling to figure that out because I, I know. I don't know. No, I know what went wrong. They've, I tweeted it out yesterday. It's very simple. They have, uh, and I have gone through this, they've been in all but I want to say seven or eight of their games at halftime. Um, I want to say they've been in uh, other uh, than I want to say sixteen, seventeen. They've been over thirty of their games have been like games in the fourth quarter. What went wrong is they haven't won hardly any of those games. They've been in um, ten games where they lost by six points or fewer. Thirteen games uh, where they've lost by seven points or fewer. You know what went wrong? They didn't win another four or five of those games. Because did... The, and, and I actually retweeted his follow-up tweet to that because the point he made in his follow-up tweet was correct. The Knicks did not want to be sitting here with a 10-37 and 37 record right now. I don't think anybody could argue that. They didn't want to be 10-37. and 37. They wanted to be, I don't know... 16 and and uh, 31, 17 and and you know 30, whatever. It, they got a little unlucky. It hasn't come together as well as it ideally could have. You want to put some of that on Fizz, all right? You want to put some of that on the fact that like Tim Hardaway Jr. has really regressed as a shooter. Um, you want to put some of that. I mean, there are little pockets that you could put it of things that have not gone as well as expected. But then, you know, and I just tweeted this out before we came on and started recording. They've played the fewest home games in the entire league. That matters. Um, They have the sixth toughest strength of schedule in the entire league so far. That matters. This hasn't gone horribly wrong. It hasn't gone as well as they would have liked to. That's it. I mean, that's all there is to it. I Like, why are you... 
well, this is the, this is ultimately the question I was about to say. Why are you trying to make it out to be like the sky is falling? But we all know the answer to that, don't we, Schwinn? Yeah. It's. I just. It's frustrating. It, it's, it's very frustrating because mostly the fact that I don't. It just it just shows that like you can't. These guys are always going to push an agenda. That's it. That's that's really what it boils down to. Is these guys are always and like they've been dying for some kind of drama all year, and Ennis is giving it to them. Yeah. And like that's basically it. Because forget anything that happened this year. Forget uh, expectations. I need that stuff. Before Ennis Cantor was on the Knicks, it's like pretty widely known that nobody in the league thought he was a good player, and yeah. that he was basically unplayable in playoff series. Like that was a real thing. Well, right? if like, you're if you're an educated observer of basketball, and this is I'm a, this is kind of is gonna be a backhanded compliment. I, I'm gonna give Berman a pass on what he says about Cantor because I genuinely believe that Berman looks at Cantor's stats and thinks that the Knicks are doing a disservice by sitting him. I don't think he's doing that to be a dick. I think he genuinely believes that now. That's a very different criticism from the one that we're putting on some of these other people that we think know better. And I don't even know which is better or worse, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's – it's. I don't – trying to figure out the way we say it. Like I, I feel that Ennis is – he's really just – he's not good. Nobody wants him. Um, we know this because the Knicks have basically been open to training him for the last year. Yep. Uh, and there's been very, to my knowledge, I haven't seen one rumor where it was a team wants Ennis. It's usually more that the Knicks yeah, no, want no, to no. unload him. No, we, and, and we know, we know that. That's not a surprise. Right. And, and that's totally fine. Uh, you know, if that's, if that's what's happening, that's, that's fine. Uh, it's just, I just, I, you can't get paid to talk about basketball and sit there and act like, for, for forgetting even this idea that, uh, like, okay, let's just, let's just say the Knicks are tanking. Let's just say, like, yeah, okay, the Knicks are tanking. If they were tanking, if that was their sole express purpose, they should play Cantor. <laughs> so, like, this idea that they're committing some fucking horrific act of, like, like a human rights violation by not playing Ennis Cantor is a total joke. And everybody that is perpetuating it, everybody that's arguing it, all these fucking people, if you get paid to talk about basketball and that's your argument, you should be fired immediately. I have zero sympathy or understanding or I, I can't even explain that. If you fucking really sit there and, and are like, yeah, man, the Knicks should they're they're just doing themselves and doing Ennis Cantor disservice by not playing him on basketball like uh, because of basketball reasons, then you're not being honest. You're just being you, you have an agenda. Because there's like like I said, the guy look say what you will about Tim Hardaway, but I think everybody, I mean most everybody argues that one, he's not worth the contract, and two, that like I, I've I've said it before too. Like he, there's on merit, it's fun, like he shouldn't be starting. Yeah. I, I don't think he should be starting right now because he's 
he's he's made like he's just taking bad shots. He's hurt. He's not defending well. Whatever. Like there's a lot of reasons why he shouldn't start, right? And at least at the very minimum, that's a conversation many people have had, right? Yeah, and and but just on that note, like, and this is what I've I've said to you. I think there's they they don't have that choice. That's not a real choice to bench him. Yeah, I mean that's fine. It doesn't doesn't really matter. Like that, if they don't want to, I understand it. I think Fizz basically explained it why uh, they they can't. Can we, but anyway, can we talk about that for just a quick second? What did yeah. you? Because to me, I thought that was weird. It was weird, and my first instinct was like, "Wow, that's the first misstep." Um, and you know, obviously, I'm I'm uh, captain of the Fizzdale fan club. I was like, wow, that's the first real misstep he's had in front of the media all year. And then I stopped and I thought about it for a second. I'm like, well, he's not st- – you would agree with me. Fisdale's not a stupid man. Could we agree on that? Yes, I definitely agree with that. Okay. And I he has been um, an assistant coach for a very long time. He's been on a lot of job interviews. He's been the head man. I don't think there's a word that comes out of that man's mouth – that is by accident, or is that, or that is a a miss a misstep. I think it was in. in I, I the more I think about it, the more I think about he was very very um, intentional in sending that message that this is a player that makes eighteen million dollars for the next two years, and I have a feeling the message was meant to be directed at Tim Hardaway Jr. because I don't know what you see. I see a guy who's not playing up to his capabilities, and I'm not talking about missing shots. No, he he's he's he is. Uh... And I say that with the I say that with the caveat that no, I don't know how badly this plantar fasciitis is is affecting him. I will throw that out there. Maybe I'm being a little unfair. But no, I, I don't say... think you are. I don't think you are because I think he's just taking stupid shots. Like I'm. I think if you compare how he was playing at the beginning of the year to how he's playing now, he's just taking stupid shots, even adjusting for the fact that he probably can't get to the rim as frequently or as much as or as effectively uh, as he was at the start of the year, which is understandable. But he's just taking so many stupid pull-up jumpers and like way too far threes, and it's like, you're not Steph Curry, so stop. Um yeah, no, I, I don't think you're you're being wrong at all, or I don't think you're saying anything wrong at all. I just think that he's playing poorly. Um, but, you know, just to bring it back to Ennis, it's like, you know, he's ultimately, like, we have those conversations with someone hard of it. So, like, I don't see why it's wrong to not even just, not not just not have the conversation with Ennis, but act on the plan. And And the reality is, like, you can't really say that he's been meaningfully better than Mitchell Robinson when Mitchell Robinson's on the floor, Luke Cornett when Luke Cornett is on the floor, like, or even Vonley when Vonley plays the five. He's just not been meaningfully. If he was be, if he was meaningfully better than them, then we would have more than ten wins. That's yeah. just a fact. Like, if he was meaningfully better than them, we'd have more than ten wins. Um, we don't. This is a center. And I can't do He's a center who has never even averaged one block per game. Like, I don't think blocks are the end-all, be-all metric to, you know, to uh, to encapsulate how good or bad somebody is on defense. But if you're a starting center and you're not getting one block per game, um, yeah, you're probably bad on defense. 
like you probably are worthless on defense and he is worthless on defense he's actually actively uh i mean he's he's worth something on defense if you're the other team um you can just put him in pick and roll and automatically you'll get quality shots every time you do that um i still remember a game we played against miami earlier this year and uh you know miami they run this offense that's very like with the ball it's very egalitarian blah 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 blah, blah. um but like they basically scrapped that after the first half because I think we were up at halftime or something or it was tight. I don't yes. remember. No, it was. Yeah, and they essentially scrapped that at halftime, and all they did in the second half was run pick and roll at Ennis Kander to start the half. And on and that note, they murdered us. And like I, I think pretty sure I even tweeted it out during the game. I don't, I haven't looked, but I'm pretty sure I tweeted out like about that. I was like, yeah, all the Heat did is change their entire game plan and just run a bunch of pick and roll involve Ennis Kander. Um, so, you know, like when you see stuff like that, you got to realize how like, this is a guy like you, you go to the playoffs, stuff like that is just going to be exposed tenfold. It's, he's just not a winning player. Like he's just not. So, Sorry. so, uh, our, our friend, uh, Frank Isola, as we are recording this podcast, uh, just came out with an article on the athletic. Um, of course, drawing a comparison between the Knicks, uh, the Knicks and the Nets. Uh, the Nets obviously have had their coach in place for three years, have been working on instituting their style of play for three years, have been working on getting players to fit that specific style of play for three years. Um, and now the results are finally showing after the Nets have been um, a... Well, they had, what, the same record as the Knicks last year, right? Yeah, and like two years ago they were the worst team in the NBA. So, um, let's see. Under Atkinson, the Nets play hard. They have developed a style, and everyone is buying in. They just don't talk about creating a culture. They have done it again. Um, and I want to really <laughs> the the implication here is that they have done something that the Knicks cannot. Nowhere. Nowhere does he mention the fact that this is three years going and the Knicks, this is year one. But, eh, you know, that's a little detail, right, Schwinn? We shouldn't yeah. pick apart that. Okay. Um, meanwhile, the Knicks are getting out of this season exactly what they're putting into it. They're all in on tanking and have the 10-37 and 37 record to prove it. And sure enough, what evidence does he say for this? You guessed it, Mr. Cantor. Yes, Cantor's benching has a lot to do with Cantor being a free agent this summer. Cantor had averaged 20 points and 13 rebounds in three previous readings against the Nets this season. If it weren't for tanking... Not- which, which which we were 1-2 and two in. Which we were 1-2 and two in. And, and-, and, and he got benched in the last one because he was so awful that and, the Knicks were down. And by the way, the Knicks have been outscored in the minutes that Cantor has played against the Nets this season. But again, these are, these are details. They don't matter, right? Right. Um, here's my favorite line. If it weren't for tanking, not playing Cantor would be a clear case of coaching malpractice. And then, of course, we get the quote from Cantor. I was joking to my teammate. I could have gotten 30-30 tonight, Cantor said, but they didn't want me to get it. Fisdale reasoned the Knicks are building for our future. Clearly, that future doesn't include Cantor, who will likely be bought bought out if the Knicks fail to move him by the February 7th trade deadline. Um, That's the smart play. But it doesn't excuse Fisdale for what Cantor believes is poor communication between coach and player. And then it goes through all of Cantor's quotes that he delivered in the locker room after the game, which, by the by, 
everybody should take those with a healthy several grains of salt. Because if you are, if you think that what Cantor is telling you in those press conferences is exactly what happens in reality, again, go check this guy's track record. Go check what other players, what other people in the league have said about him. He is not the most um, reliable uh, sort. So that just puts the icing on the cake for me. He he is just it, right now. All he's doing is he he's just proving that all his platitudes about you know being an awesome teammate and stuff like that is just it's that's it. They're just platitudes. He doesn't actually care about that shit. Um, he's a good teammate so long as that is congruent with his own agenda and his own you know. Like what, you know, his own interests. So, which, which, by the way, dovetail, which is the is the polar opposite of the guy that I meant to um, bring up earlier in the podcast, Lance Thomas. Look, we know Lance Thomas is a limited basketball player, but he also defended the hell out of, um, you know, that side of the floor when he was on uh, the court against the Nets the other night. He absolutely made a, a positive difference, I would say, on that end of the floor at least when he was out there. Something that Cantor doesn't do. But Lance Thomas doesn't give the media any quotes. You know? He's not a juicy story. So obviously, you know, when The he- only reason Ennis Cantor is a story is because he makes eighteen million dollars a year. Otherwise if he it, let's be real, after I can't fucking wait for this contract to be done because I'm so excited for this guy to not make more than like above like barely above the league minimum. Because he's a fucking joke. He's a bum. He's a terrible basketball player. And he's just not, not a good NBA player. But worse, like, than, worse than all that, he's a squeaky wheel. He's just not good. Like, I don't care what, however we want to talk about it. He's not good. He's not a positive. So there's nothing to, like, what exactly are we trying to say here? That, that no, we're, the, we're not, the, we're, the Knicks, the Knicks are, would be, good if they played Cantor more? Like, it's a foolish storyline. It's an easy one. It's easy. It, that's all it is. It's easy and it's lazy. That is all that this is. You know, and that's that's why, you know, when you, when you and and I'm sorry, and maybe I, I shouldn't let it, but the when, when you have that going on, and then you have Bondi tweeting out that this is, this is you know, completely gone horribly wrong. This is not what the Knicks anticipated at all. It's just, it's disingenuous. And I think that Knicks fans deserve better from the people well, that cover this team. And here's the here's the really, truly sad part of it, uh, of, of all of this. We get great stuff from Vork. We get great stuff from Bagley. Um, we get great stuff from, from Chris Eisman of uh, NorthJersey.com who's vastly underrated, does, you know, great reporting on the Knicks on a daily basis. But Bondi has been around for a little bit longer, um, and he has sources, and Knicks fans are forced to pay attention to him because he'll occasionally drop stuff in a story, and same with Berman, um, that it's like, all right, well, I mean, he has a source that's saying the Knicks are talking to this team about this player, like, you have to at least pay attention to that if you want to be fully informed about what is going on with your team. And it's like, but then you have to deal with all the other crap. And it's just, I, I, I don't, it's frustrating and it's annoying. 
And I just wish, you know, Knicks fans deserve better than that. They really do. But, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's it's pretty funny um, when you just look at Bondi's Twitter. Um, because, you know, that tweet he had, he goes, this plan, the plan was this. And everybody seems to have forgot, use the season to flaunt their and I'm using air quotes here because that's what he used. Yes. Their innovative player development, which would resurrect former lottery picks and show a superstar free agent that the Knicks have established a winning culture. Their words, not mine. Uh, he like, um, I I don't remember one quote from Perry or Mills or uh, or, or Fizdale about how their plan was. We want to resurrect former lottery picks, like. I mean, if you want to say that them saying players like Vonley and Moutier and Hazonia are still young and have, you know, maybe they just need a different environment to come good. If you want to twist that into what Bondi's saying, sure. Um, but my favorite part about this tweet is that it has 54 likes and 64 replies. Um, I think it's generally a sign of not a good tweet. Uh, <laughs> if you have more replies than likes. Uh, and I mean, it's just, I don't even know. It's, well, the thing that is, that isn't even, that isn't even the thing that I'm, I was most bothered by. And I think I'm going to have to write something about this week because it really, it got to me when he tweeted out that, um, the Knicks, Knicks fans are starting to blame the media earlier this year than usual. And here's what I want to say about that. Nobody's blaming the fucking media Nobody's for the Knicks bl- being bad. Exactly. Nobody is fucking blaming the Knicks. The, 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 the Knicks, Knicks being bad. I mean, what people are blaming the fucking bullshit media, like fucking Bondi and fucking Popper and these scumbags, is the fact that, like, what they're saying is you are not being. As a journalist, what is your job, right? You're supposed to just present facts and report a story as the story. You're not supposed to inject your own personal feelings or your opinions into this matter and i know that like obviously sports journalism has changed a little bit and writers are expected to be their own personalities so i understand you have to kind of you do now have more license to inject your own opinion but if your opinion is that the knicks have been like i i don't know how much more transparent they could have been that they did not give a shit about winning this year because basically every quote from Mills and from Perry and from Fizdale was that they, of course, they would love to win games, but their priority this year was not winning games, but developing the young players in their team. Um, and, you know, aside from Frank, which, you know, that's its own debate. We've had that debate. I am on a different side of you than that debate. Aside from how they've handled Frank, I don't really know what you could point to to say that they've done a bad job of developing their young guys. Um, you know, like, at least on an individual skill level, no, I, don't, I don't know I, what you could point I, It's you not arguable. Say, it's not arguable you, if, at all. If, if you want to say that they're not doing right by their young guys because uh, they don't have a great defined style of play or structure or any of those things, sure, okay, whatever. We can have that conversation uh, we can have the conversation about whether they're developing Frank properly, if they're giving him enough minutes, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think we can actually have the conversation that they're not trying to develop young guys or that they're failing in developing their young guys. I just don't think you can. Um, 
so to me, they've been transparent this entire year about what they were trying to do, right? I don't think they have lied at all. And, uh, you know, so when you start acting like people are putting the media on blast because the Knicks aren't good. No, they're not putting you on blast because they don't, because you think the Knicks aren't good. They're putting you on blast because you're acting like we didn't know that that was going to happen. And that some, like, well, you, what you're, what you're saying is that we're getting frustrated because you're insulting our intelligence. That's yeah. what, that's what you're saying. And that's exactly what happens because again, like what is the one thing that every, every player who comes through here says, and I think it's, it's, I, I don't. This isn't my opinion. It seems to be what everybody else thinks. New York fans are smart. Like we're smart. We know what's up. Like we don't need to be told how to interpret things that we've been told. We know what the messaging has been from this team this year. Okay, we know exactly what it is because we've been paying attention. We don't need to be told that. Uh, no, you're actually having the wool being pulled down over your eyes. That's what's really happening here. No, we don't need to. We don't need to be told that because that's actually not what's happening. All right, like you can you can report the facts, and you should report the facts. And there are things that, <laughs> and there are things that this. My daughter just ran downstairs without any pants on. I think at at the perfect time of this conversation. Um, and you could let us draw conclusions from them like you know what would be valuable like tell us the team's net rating every month of the season because you know what it shows it shows that they went down into a like they started okay then they went down into a valley and now they've been on their way up and maybe i don't know do some reporting about how like young teams progress isn't always linear and sometimes you get worse before you get better these guys don't actually want to report about basketball that's the big thing like they don't to mind, like I, I don't see basketball stories. I see gossip columns. I see, you know, rumor mongering and trade speculation. But I don't ever actually see like any analysis for most of these guys. Um, and that's like, if you want to say that's not what a beat writer. Well, again, is there for, let's let's not group you, all of them under the same umbrella because again, I want to highlight Vork. Like he, that's basketball reporting. Like, yeah, what he does. That's awesome, and and, Begley, and Eisman is really good too. Eisman's, Eisman's great, really and and you know, and Begley maybe doesn't have as many stats in his pieces, but he like if there's something going on with the team, he will tell you what is going on with the team, and he very rarely injects his own opinion right. into it. Right, and that's like you know, Eisman isn't he doesn't sugarcoat it. He's he's a true beat reporter in the sense that he is just telling you what is what happens, right? Like if Ennis says something. He reports that. If the Knicks say something, he reports that. I, I sense very little uh, um, there there doesn't seem to be an angle with him. So I, I very I, I never have an issue with him tweeting whatever he tweets or saying whatever he says because it does seem like he's just passing on information. Whereas, you know, a guy like Bondi or Popper Popper this year has been really annoying with that, actually. But um, no, I, I'm not gonna lie. I agree. It, it, it's 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 just there's there's so much of you know like an agenda. It seems, and you know what? I'm just gonna say this. And I know that you had him on the pod and whatever, but Howard Beck has been a joke this year. He's been a complete joke when it comes to the Knicks. Um, 
Well, Howard is, Howard, you know, I think he's transparent about the fact that he doesn't, uh, he thinks the owner is uh, the worst owner in sports. Yeah, but no, 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 that's, but that's bullshit because he had zero fucking issue with anything the Knicks were doing when Phil Jackson was running off, when it was in charge. And so like, let's be real here. I, again, I, I, let's, you know, Knicks film school is not endorsing my views. They're definitely not. No, no, say what you, listen, say exactly what you got to say. I've taken issue with 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 Beck. Beck. But look, the, the issue with Beck is, he acts like he's this independent, uh, neutral observer, but in reality, the only he went from the Knicks. He he's mostly been a negative uh, Knicks guy most of his reporting days, and that's fine. Like he was a beat writer when there was very very little to be positive about, so I totally get that. Um, but magically, when Phil Jackson. Uh, was in charge of the Knicks front office. Uh, you know, the same, there's very little talk about how Dolan was a bad owner or how Dolan was this and that. And, you know, he was happy because he was the one guy that seemed to be able to, he had an in with the front office. I remember as soon as Derek Fisher got fired, he tweeted out something of, about, don't be surprised that the Knicks are interested in Jeff Hornacek. He tweeted out, months before they signed Joe Kim Noah that they would be interested in signing Joe Kim Noah. So he clearly had uh, somebody's uh, – he clearly had an in with either Phil or somebody in Phil's circle uh, to get information like that. Um, and you know, since Phil Jackson has been removed from office, he has – again, like now, now Dolan is a bad owner again, and now everything the Knicks do is bad. And – um, this is a guy who tweeted out the other day that, you know, again, like that the Knicks benching Ennis Cantor was a sign that uh, you know, they were you know, just a sign of them being not, not nothing changing. And I don't even understand what that means. Yeah, I caught that and I didn't care for that either. Uh, but all like when I Beck, you can't act like you're this neutral observer guy and and then with this. I mean, I thought his appearance on your podcast was embarrassing. He tried to act like, you know, oh, I'm neutral. I'm, you're not neutral. That's fine. Don't fucking, you know, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining, man. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, Can I actually pee on your leg? Is that, is that, can we do that? You, you could do that. You can okay. try. I appreciate try. it. Um, um, no, I just, I, I'm, I'm sick of these guys. I would much, I would actually respect it so much more if they were like, look, I don't like the Knicks. I, I, I don't care for them. And, I would respect that so much more than them trying to tell me that they're, you know, uh, I'm just reporting facts. I'm just telling you what I know. Like, you're not. Because if you're, if you're reporting, because telling me how you feel about Ennis Cantor being benched is not a fact. That's a feeling. That's an opinion. Well, it, um, it's, and, and I, I want to. And if your opinion is that Ennis Cantor being benched is some horrible thing, it's a, then the you don't opinion. know you don't know anything about basketball. I I don't think so. Here's <laughs> here's the interesting dichotomy for me. I it's not a secret that Bondi and Isola loathe James Dolan. Um, and and look, if anyone does have reason to loathe him and loathe the team, it's them. Um, because, and I, I, I Sola, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, but the daily news's life was made very difficult when he was, um, a beat reporter on the Knicks beat. You want to say that that started with unfair treatment of the team by him. You want to say that that started with Dolan and then Isola took it, whatever, like that's its own thing. And then earlier this season, 
Bondi was barred or wasn't invited, I guess, to the press conference that Mills held. And that was a shitty, stupid, childish thing to do. And it should have never happened. And I, I went on, the, I recorded a podcast, like just a little monologue of my own, and I said as much. All right? And I get that. I get that. But I guess what I'm asking and what we're asking of, of Bondi and, and Isola and everybody else, be the bigger man. Be the bigger person, all right? Like, we know that there's a history. We know that you have an, uh, have an issue. But when you... Because they're not dumb. Bondi's smart enough to know how to put stuff out there that will, like, it just... It, it poisons the well without it being, like, 1,000% blatant that it's being done from a particular angle. And like, do I think it matters when it comes to how this team is trying to go about its business? I kind of do, and that's why it upsets me. Because people, outsiders, they look at this because it, it, it drags the whole thing down in the mud. And people from the outside look at that and, and they just look at the back and forth and it's like, yeah, same old shit, same old Knicks. When, in fact, it's not. It's not. And if there was any nuanced takes, if there was, you know, a little bit more accuracy, you know, we would know that. And that's what happens when you have beat reporters that, you know, are actively, um, essentially rooting for this thing to fail. And that's that's all I'm going to say on it. I, I don't have anything else to say. I don't I don't know what else to say. Uh, yeah, there's nothing else to say because it's it's just embarrassing. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to make it clear that I don't think that all these guys um, are you – know, like, I like, I think Eisman does a good job. I think Vorkanov does a really good job. I think Begley uh, – I, it feels like he's not a beat guy as much anymore – I think ESPN is pretty stretching these guys pretty thin. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he's fine. Um, it, like, it's not like the entire beat is horrible, but like, I'm sorry, the entire Ennis Cantor drummed up drama that's occurring right now uh, from Bondi and from Popper is just so pathetic and so transparent in what they're trying to do. And it's just an example of why there's been this longstanding belief that you cannot quote unquote rebuild in new york um yeah no it's like, it, 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 you know yeah. again it's not coming from the fans i don't hear the fans bitching i mean yeah of course people aren't happy they're not winning games but i don't think that anybody is upset with nobody came in i don't think any knicks fan came into the season expecting them to like be good so nothing is occurring right now that is some shock right this is not like a season where you're like wow the knicks are underachieving and that's uh, and that's and I, I just I wanna say this because I didn't say it explicitly before and I do wanna say it explicitly. The article that Isola just put out, um, and the thinking and the overall messaging from Bondi that this has been um a tire fire that has gone consistently downhill in a way that nobody could have foreseen and it's just getting worse. How can you call your, even if you are one-sided, and even if you do have a slant, how can you say that when, since the new year, this team has taken 
the Rockets, who are one of the five best teams in the NBA, to the last possession of the game, when they've taken the Denver Nuggets in Denver down to the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, when they took Portland, one of the better teams in the Western Conference, down to the last three or four minutes of the fourth quarter in Portland, when they had a lead on Golden State late in the first half, when they took Philadelphia, one of the best teams in the NBA, down to the down last, last possession. Down to the last possession. These are all things that are encouraging signs. And if anybody wanted to build a narrative that, hey, what you know what? That shitty team in New York, I think they might be starting to figure it out. That narrative is right there. It's right there for the taking, and it is valid, and it is something that people would read, and they would consume and enjoy, and it would be true, and you wouldn't be blowing any smoke up anyone's ass. But I mean, that, just but it's not just give told. me an analysis, even if your analysis is the same facts as you just said, but that the Knicks aren't putting it together. At least you're giving me facts, and then like, just give me an actual story, man. I don't need drummed up like you don't need to pretend that Ennis Cantor not playing is some like massive storyline that deserves so much weight like it really doesn't man it just doesn't because he's not good enough for it to matter <laughs> like he's just not it's not like they're benching like I I, I don't know I, I don't know you know like we've seen teams well, the Suns last year, like a couple years ago, just told Eric Bledsoe to stay at home because they wanted to tank. <laughs> yes, uh, that is again. We were trying to think of blatant tanking examples earlier. That's yeah, like, blatant tanking. Like the, the Bulls last year, basically were just sitting anybody that had a pulse down the stretch. Um, yep. You know, like there are so many examples of teams doing much more explicit tanking, and in some way, in a lot of ways a lot more detrimental to the players involved, uh, like the players being benched or sitting out than and the Knicks are doing. And, and the, the, Knicks, the Knicks have not – look, this, this – Ennis Cantor was – he played every game for basically the first, I don't know, whatever it was. No, he played way more than he had any right to play. Yeah, he played a lot of minutes, and in those minutes, the Knicks were still worse with him on the floor than they were with him off the floor. So – are the Knicks bad team? Hundred percent, they're a bad team. Um, would the Knicks become a? Are the Knicks going to become a winning team because they're benching Ennis Kanter? No, no, we know that. Um, that has that doesn't mean that Ennis Kanter is a solution or a good player or part. Of, like he's not. He's not part of the solution. Um, so you know, I think people have a lot of times people have said the same thing about Tim Hardaway Jr. and that's fine. Like that's based on what's happening this season. I think it's hard to argue the other opposite. But uh, the difference in this scenario is that well, you the, know, the other difference like, you should point out between Tim and Ennis is because of the dearth of um, shot creation on this team, and we've talked about Fisdale's love of, of shot creators several times on Twitter and on this podcast last time we were on. Like. You you kind of have you don't really have a choice but to go with Tim Hardaway Jr. Like you do have a very very valid choice of not to go well, with Ines Cantor. Right. If we're just talking like and I've like I've argued a lot that I think that we should be playing uh, we should have we should be playing uh, sorry Frank and 
Moody and Moore together. But if you're just talking about who are the two guards, like pure two guards in the roster, it's Tim, it's Lee, and it's Dotson, yeah. right? Like that's it. So, you know, in a lot of ways, Tim playing isn't – it's not like he's taking minutes away, meaningful minutes away from a developmental prospect unless you – unless you're of the opinion that – Dotson needs to play way more. No, Dotson's played. Dotson plays plenty. I think he's, he's already played. doubled his minutes from last season, hasn't he? Or something like, close to it. Probably, probably more. Uh, Jeff barely played him. I think he played like three hundred something minutes last yeah, year. Yeah, I'm gonna look so, it up right now. Um, I would imagine he's played. Yeah, last season. Last season, Dotson. Yeah, Dotson played, Dotson played 956 minutes this year. So he's yeah, definitely... he's, he's doubled his total from last year. Yeah. Um, so he's he uh, for what it's worth, Dotson is sixth in the team in minutes played. So he's playing plenty. Um, anyway, so yeah, playing Tim is not getting in the way of no, and um, but like d- developing anything. Yeah, and unfortunately for Cantor, you know, it sucks for him, but they have players that position that they want to give minutes to because they feel there's a bigger reward for them down the road if they play them now <coughs> than if they play than whatever reward they get from playing Ennis. And look, let's if we want to. The the Knicks last year played Ennis over a deve- developmental player. They chose Ennis over a developmental player, and they traded the developmental player. Right? They traded Willie Hernan Gomez. Yeah, and 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 I I'm I am a fan of that trade, and I think if you asked thirty teams in the league, what would you, or twenty eight teams in the league, putting the two teams that were involved in the transaction out of it. What would you rather have right now, Willie Hernan Gomez or those two Charlotte picks? I think more teams would take the Charlotte picks than Willie Hernan Gomez. Um, that being said, you could still you could still be critical of that. Um, yeah, I mean, my my point wasn't even to be critical, but it was more like they gave him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they they, they, gave, yeah. they like they they've not done Ennis dirty here. Yeah. They gave him a legitimate chance, and they've and they've given him that chance for a year and a half. It's not like. They just traded from like no, they've given him a long, long look rope. God and 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 Ennis Kander chose to be here. Yes, let's not forget that he opted into his contract. He is not a victim as, as he should have as because should have. it's more money than he will make over the rest of his career. Like it, it's it's fine that he opt, he should have opted. He would have been negligent to not opt into the contract. Um, but he did opt in. And he didn't opt in. I don't give a shit what he says. He didn't opt in because he loves the culture. He loves the organization. He loves the city. He lo- None of that shit, no. He opted in because he was not going to get $18 million anywhere else. Yeah. Not even close. Probably wasn't even going to get a third of that. Probably not even going to get 20% of that. Oh, I, I, I would be surprised if he got some teams biannual exception unless some team wants to pay him one year like seven or eight million um this summer is just like a team that has cap space to blow and they're like yeah sure why not but honestly i don't even know if that would be the case because it would be a young team doing that probably and why would you want to have a guy in your roster that is going to complain about minutes and i don't know that there's any team in the league that should be giving in his canter more than 15 minutes a game whether you're trying to win or you're trying to develop youth but that's a situation we're in. God willing, we will never have to see him play another minute of basketball. Uh, yeah, for the Knicks anyway, please. Yeah, for the Knicks. And we could put this behind us. And then, I mean, hopefully from that point on, 
maybe it'll be smooth sailing. Maybe this will be the biggest blip on the radar. And if this past several days is does wind up being the biggest blip on the radar for this season, um, I think considering how many losses this team is racking up, I think that's a great job by David Fisdale. It's a great job by the organization. Um, because I mean, you look at the other, you look at the other, you know, tanking situation, so to speak. Um, you know, you have Cleveland fired a coach, you have Chicago fired a coach. Um, you had, uh, in Phoenix, a player ask out within the first, uh, what, when did Ariza request a trade essentially after the first month? Yeah, basically. You know, and Ariza is a very different animal than, than, than Cantor. Um, you know, and then you have us. Um, so... Yeah, that's that's where I felt like this was pretty. This was this was cathartic in a way. Yeah. I've had I've had a couple of cathartic podcasts this year, and I think this was a a good one and and much needed. Um, all right, I'm actually going to the game tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, I'd li- I I, kinda, I kind of feel like this is a game they can win. Oh, I think this is a game they can win. But that's the thing. That's a- Listen. There hasn't been a game that they like other than the OKC game. Ever since January first rolled around, they've you know they've been in all these games. They've been in them. Yeah, they they, they can't. They don't know how to close right now. They don't know how to get over that hump. It's and really holy shit! Wouldn't you know it? They're the youngest team in the league. Right. My God, it's funny how that works out. The youngest team in the league is having trouble closing games. You don't say. Wow. <laughs> no, but it's just I can't like. Stop, I'll use your line, stop pissing, uh, or that's actually, no, that's not pissing on my leg and, and, and telling me it's raining. It's treating me like a fucking idiot. Stop treating <laughs> me like a fucking idiot, all right? I have two advanced degrees that I don't need, one of them I don't need at all, and one of them I will probably won't need at some point that I spend a lot of money on, and those advanced degrees don't get me anything, but they get me the right to stand on here and say on this podcast, don't treat me like a fucking moron, Okay? That's all. That is my message to to the people that that are tasked with reporting on this team, and that's it. I'm done. Uh, anything? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna end. <laughs> we're gonna end on that angry note. Um, is there anything you want to plug or promote, Schwinn? Uh, no, that's it. That's it. That's all she wrote. Yeah, that's all I had. What are you What are you doing the rest of the day? Uh, probably very little. <laughs> uh, maybe watch some basketball. That's, that's about all I got. All my plan, and watch True Detective tonight. That's it. You know, I, I um, we are uh, really, really cheap in this household, and we we don't have HBO right now. And we're gonna have to get it when um, Game of Thrones starts up again. Mm. But maybe I'll I'll have to get it again just so I could I could binge True Detective because yeah I mean look there there are ways to watch HBO shows without having HBO um, so I don't know if you're aware of those things but yeah. uh, maybe we can maybe we could talk uh, off off air and you could tell me some of these, some <laughs> of these ways. all right um, Shrin you're the man. Um, I, I'm going to have to, I, I don't even know how to beep out like curses. So I, I guess we're just going to keep all the yeah, motherfuckers. Parental advisory on it. Yeah. Parental advisory. That's it. All right, man. Um, I will catch you on Twitter later. I'm sure. Um, yeah. thank you for taking the time and, and yeah. coming on. This was fun. 
And uh, to everybody out there who, who stuck with us this long through all of the ranting and raving, um, you are you are a champion of the cause, and I salute you for that. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with another episode. I think I got a post game coming up after the game on um, tomorrow night, Monday night. But uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will be back with you soon with another episode. Peace out.